Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shannon Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and I am so dedicated to this podcast that I was up until about 1 a.m. playing Rogue Book. <laughs> I'm Jay, and I I upset my poor husband at like 1 a.m. when I said, no, I really can't watch the final episode that we have. <laughs> in the season of Mare of Easttown because oh, you are a monster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So then he went downstairs and played some and I read a little bit of Witness for the Dead and then fell asleep. Oh, I'm mildly jealous about that. Uh I'm Josh and my dedication to the podcast is more chaotic than Trevor's because I didn't step quite that late, but I have in the course of the past week played uh hold on a minute one two three four five six seven uh yeah uh, seven different games uh to bring to your attention a, a veritable smorgasbord of potential uh you know games so re- really i'm here to rate tutorials is what it it, it uh, <laughs> comes down to so in our in our uh pre-ramble josh you said that uh you you finished the show you were watching, which was Bear Call Stall, and you needed to recommend. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have one of the uh, like free subscriptions to Apple TV from buying an Apple device? I think so. I just have never connected to it because I'm like, oh, something else to pay attention to. But tell <laughs> me more. Okay, so what you should do is activate that subscription and watch the the TV show Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Okay. Yes. Okay. Tell me a tiny bit more. So, it's <laughs> it's kind of amazing. It's 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 a really funny show. Um it's it they're only you know half hour shows and it's uh 10 episodes. Uh season 2 is about to start soon. Um but the so uh, David Sudeikis is the main character. Okay. And he is someone who um, is an American football coach, and he gets hired to come over and coach a European soccer team. Okay. <laughs> and knows nothing about soccer. And the team is like on the cusp of whether or not they're going to get relegated or not. And hijinks ensue. 
All right, I will add it to the list. Um, well, I should ask you real quickly because Better Call Saul is, of course, a show I was watching on my own, which mm-hmm. describes a lot of shows. Does yeah, yeah. Ted Lasso, will it invoke what I refer to as the Laramie Corollary, which is my wife's like intolerance for a show after about two seasons when, according to her, all shows become too smutty? So if you watch, I, I think that your wife would actually love the show and you watch it and you're like, wow, this is, it's, it's one of the shows where you're like, uh, it's, it's just like this feel good movie that is feels or show that feels all wholesome. And you watch, and you're like, wow, this is entertaining and wholesome and delightful and, you know, et cetera. So, Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. With this strong recommendation, I will actually make the effort to activate my stupid free Apple subscription. <laughs> then promptly Excellent. forget about it. I mean, I'll watch this show, then promptly forget about the subscription yes. and end up paying for it for the next five years. I presume that's how that will go down. I assume that is the case. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are uh, several different uh, um, TV series on, on Apple TV that are actually pretty good. Huh. Okay. So, well, that's good to know. Um, I promised a topic as well. So, um, my my dear husband, towards the start of the pandemic, had been playing a lot of WoW. He was in like a, a mythic raiding uh, team and had like his set WoW raiding days, etc. And then had like guild drama. Felt really hurt. And was like, quit WoW. Which is kind of unfortunate to quit WoW towards the start of a pandemic when you can't really (laughs) do anything. (laughs) Um, But this week he uh, restarted playing WoW. And so I have a lot more free time than (laughs) I previously (laughs) had. Um, but the, the person that I've been, so I've been playing more crisis protocol. Um, the person who I've been playing against isn't, uh, able to attend miniatures night to night. And so I need to invite Trevor to join me on the Wednesday night miniatures game and, and play some crisis protocol. You must unlearn what you have learned about your schedule, Trevor. <laughs> uh, uh, if you subscribe to our uh, premium show, which is our pre-ramble where we talk about basically nothing important, uh, you would know that my wife is out of town this week. And therefore, I have two children that I have to feed and make sure mm. they get to bed. Savage, boo. <laughs> Tell her... You need her to come back from girls' camp, <laughs> watch the kids for a few hours, so you can finally make a Wednesday night. Well, well, thankfully, in this day and age, even at the girls' camp, she does have cell service, and uh, it, she does off and on sometimes get data. So about half the texts I send her are iMessages, and the other half are text messages. Mm. Fine. Be that so way. She, she could potentially come back uh, 
Although I think she would probably give me the um... stink eye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We we need to actually set up. Uh, I'm 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 trying to convince my brother that he should start playing Crisis Protocol with some of my cards and miniatures and stuff, and we should get a game set up with him and you. Yeah. Get him taught. Sure. I'll put I'll put aside four hours. <laughs> That's fine. I love your brother. I could I could play a game of eight to ten hours with him. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Um, I guess news from uh, Discount Games Inc. Uh, the biggest bit of news is that um, so the the new box set for Dominion. It's a they're producing it one time and then it's done. Except you would think that when you when you are told that that it's going to have one release date, which makes sense. But no, <laughs> they they have said you know because of shipping delays, we're going to get it shipped to you in three waves. And so brutal. The first wave is July third and is fifteen copies. The second wave is August seventh and is fifteen copies. And then the final wave is, quote-unquote, before the end of the year. <laughs> and is however many copies you wanted, you know, beyond 30. <laughs> and so, you know, I've we've listed our pre-sale listings this past weekend. And it was pretty confusing for people because... You know, they don't necessarily know that they're going to be in waves. We have So we have three listings that have three different dates and three different because prices. Because why should they and why would they? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I'll get questions like, what's the difference between, you know, these two listings? And I'll be like, well, if you look at the title, they have two different release dates. And then correspondingly, they have, you know, two different prices because... You know, the the 15 that are releasing in July, I, I priced at full retail. The, you know, over 100 that I'm getting in December, you know, I'm selling that, you know, 15% off with a rebate. So there, there's still, um, I think there's still some of the August wave that's, that's available. And then there's obviously a bunch of the uh, before the end of the year wave. But uh, if you haven't ordered yours yet and secured it then feel free to do so and that's that's how the release dates are working so i believe we're going to talk about uh josh going mad with power just (laughs) indiscriminately you know adding games to his steam library so that he can gaze at them longingly Except for when he travels out of state and can actually play things. Is, See, is this an accurate <laughs> description? I think it's thing? a pretty accurate depiction, and it's also we're we're also basically watching sort of a planetary alignment where my tendency to be an agent of chaos, as we have talked about before, actually has paid off because I went on this mad uh, game buying spree the week before I was going out of town for an entire week. And I'm like, it's almost like I planned it, but I will freely admit to you, I did not plan it at all. 
<laughs> so uh, tell us tell what what prompted this and what what have you purchased? Okay, so really what prompted this is I for some reason I was just well I was just scrolling YouTube which I do maybe once every other week. And I happened to see a YouTube video by a, um, what do you call him, YouTuber? I guess a YouTuber that I, I was enjoying following a couple years ago, whose uh, handle is Potato McWhiskey. And uh, Potato McWhiskey did tons of streams on Civilization Six. And so a couple years ago when I was in a heavy Civ Six phase, I was watching him because I there were good strategy tips and I, I thought he was entertaining to watch, et cetera. So anyway, he show, throws YouTube throws him up as a suggested video. And the title of the video was um, I was wrong about humankind. So humankind is a video game that um, the studio that did um, like endless legend, endless dungeon, uh-huh. endless space that they've been working on for over a year. I think, I, mean, I think it's been a couple of years and it, it's it's very much looks to be like a Civ Six style game. I mean, it's a 4x. It's you're you're starting from the dawn of human history and you're building up a civilization. And kind of their shtick is that every every time you change ages, which I think you change ages five times in the game, you choose uh, a new civilization, but you like weave it into your past civilization, right? So it's like maybe you start out as the Babylonians, but then as you move into the ancient age, like you you uh, bolt the Romans onto that, and then as you move on to the next stage, maybe it's the uh, uh, the Britons or whatever, you know. And by the time you get to the, are, go ahead. So, sorry, are these are these um, civilizations limited by their actual ages? Meaning, yes, you yeah, yeah. The, like you you can only pick like Rome is only going to show up as a, a choice in like the ancient era or whatever, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I'm watching this video, and 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 basically what I'm about to tell you, and you know, marketers won't be surprised, but it turns out the marketing works because I, I watched the video, so I'm like, oh, I gotta go check on humankind because I I kind of been following the game because I know I want to get it when it comes out, and lo and behold, they're running a closed beta, which I that shouldn't work on me. I should hate those the same way I hate Kickstarter and you know stuff like that because it's like, here come play our incomplete product and incomplete products bother me more and more the older I get. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I have a total old man on my lawn reaction to them. Right. I, but I don't worked. mind. I don't mind the old products that are like, or the, the, the products that are like, we are, we're telling you right now that it's not complete. The one that bother me are the ones that are actually not complete that are released. Those are yeah, ones yeah. that well, drive it, me nuts. Yeah. And so I will say to, to amplitude studios defense, like this beta was ran very well. And it was like, we're running this beta for, I think it was a 10 day period maybe. And, and it's pretty, I thought it was pretty well done. Like you play the game and when you log off, it asks you a couple questions and you know, so I thought that was interesting, but but anyway, so I'm like, oh my gosh, well I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it right now because to get in the closed beta you basically had to pre-order the game, which releases yeah. on, right? So so then I bought it, and and then that was just like apparently giving, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say giving an addictive substance to an addict, but you you know what I mean. Uh, so then I was just like, I gotta buy all these other games now. I have to ask because this is what I frequently do. I'll be pulled in by the, a similar 
scheme, you know. Yeah, yeah. Pre-purchase and you can be part of our 10-day beta. And then I'll I'll they'll send me a welcome email and I'll leave it in my email and I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to re- I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to install the beta." And then like 14 <laughs> days later, I'm like, "Oh, crap. What when was that going to end?" And then I would check it and clearly it was done, you know, at least a week before. And I'm like, "Crap." Okay, so I didn't get to play in the closed beta like I thought. So, yeah. do, do you do the same thing basically? Uh, normally, I did manage to play in this closed beta for a couple of days before it was done, but um, but yeah, I mean, so that basically just unlocked the floodgates, and I bought this. Uh, then I bought this other game that's kind of a roguelite uh, called Wildermyth that I've been I've been following, and then I made the mistake of reading some rock paper shotgun um, reviews of. Wildermyth, which then, you know, at the the algorithm got me at that point, because then it was like, you might be interested in this article. And so then I'm reading all these articles about roguelites, and I'm like, you know what, I'm buying that. You know what, I'm buying that. And so after Wildermyth, I bought a game called Insurmountable, which is about climbing mountains. Uh, and then Jay had 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 a recommend from his brother called Thea 2, The Shattering. I just bought that whole bundle because I'm like, heck yeah, it says roguelite <laughs> on it. And then I bought, I bought one which I'm excited to talk about called Slipways, which is like a 4x roguelite, but a short 4x. Like, you know, a game maybe takes 60 to 90 minutes. And then I was a bad influence on Trevor, and he started buying a couple games, and I bought them too. <laughs> <laughs> which is Rogue Book, and another one that we had talked about. Um, when we were talking about roguelites on the discord chat called trials of fire so yeah those are all the purchases i made now now ask me questions about their tutorials because i'm ready well here's the bright side (laughs) brian so brian's been uh uh playing a free-to-play game okay and like you know it's you know he started playing it and he's like I think you should play this. I think this is a super cute game. And the, the name of the game is like Cookie Kingdom. And basically okay. you are building um, like gingerbread cookie cities of, you know, gingerbread cookie houses. And you have like these various, you know, cookies that will go out and fight each other, et cetera. And so, you know, it's cute, et cetera. But I'm like, you know, I no, I'm not interested this is a free-to-play game. They all suck. They yeah. all... You just... know that you actively hate the model. Yes, right. So, um, but he's, like, it, it. it is cute. He's been enjoying it. He has the type of personality that, you know, he'll, he kind of enjoys the daily, uh, you know, I'm going to spend an hour chasing the widgets or whatever in these games. It's like but, the digital equivalent of of weeding your garden, right? Yeah, yeah, basically, yes. Um, but he's probably spent more on that game than all of the games that you've purchased in the last, you know, two or three months. And so, <laughs> he, not the, you know, I I don't uh, begrudge that because whatever. I I think that he. Uh, has had a level of enjoyment that it's fine for him to have spent the money on it. But um, I think that the summation of games that you've purchased are going to be are <laughs> much higher quality than, <laughs> than what he uh, has been playing. Well, we can hope. 
The the funnest thing I'm I honestly I don't know if maybe we should make this a monthly feature. You know, Josh binge buys and tries a a raft of games because I've had a ton of fun just trying them and I've. I'm I'll save it for you know the end I guess but I've been surprised by the one that sucked me in the most like real quick I'll I'll give my review of the two games that I've recently purchased uh, one is Griftlands have either of you played this one yes I have uh, one run to my name oh I have I I have it on my wanted list but I it, I didn't end up buying it um it's a roll I, I don't know why. It's a roguelike deck builder where you have two decks. One is for like physical combat, one's for social combat. Right. Um, t- to be honest, I don't really understand the social combat very well yet. They, they didn't seem <laughs> that different to me, which was yeah. my, my, a one minor complaint. But I think I probably just, maybe I need more than one run, you know, obviously. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've also played Wildermyth, which... Um, I would say I would summarize its conceit or theme as kind of you you're supposed to it's a roguelike where you're playing characters where you start at the start of your adventuring career and play all the way through like being an old person um, and then it does tactical combat with paper um, dolls paper dolls and, <laughs> and and it's and I love dressing my paper dolls so much I freely admit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean the art style's cute, the the combat's cute. Um, I mean the combat's my, very XCOM-ish. Yeah, my I guess my biggest issue with so I, I got Griftlands on the Switch, um, and my biggest issue with it is that I'm like, okay, this could be good, but it feels like it's a little bit slower than Slay the Spire, and I wish that it was on the iPad. Um, I think that is a fair description of it. It does feel slower. Yeah, yeah. Don't you feel like it feels slower because it it actually kind of takes the time to tell a story? Yeah, it's kind of trying to, to do a. It has some kind of some role playing aspects with it as well, and it's it's set in like. And a, I love the style of it too, like the art yeah, and stuff. I yeah, yeah. The art the art is good. It's it is kind of a um a sci fi setting that I mean, honestly the characters wouldn't feel out of place in star Wars probably. Um, yeah. And you are, you start off as like a bounty hunter. So it does have some interesting storyline stuff. Um, but honestly the, the biggest hurdle I've been having is that when I get to some free time, I'm just kind of like, these are pretty fun, but I could read instead. <laughs> mm. All right. So, so, so and let's... I mean, Catherine Addison's uh, Goblin Emperor. It's not a sequel. What, what do you call it? Like world adjacent or parallel? Book in the, book um, in the same setting. Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's. Can All we? Right, can we talk about these one by one? You guys keep skipping from game to game, and I. Yeah. I, I I'm. I even know what you're talking about, and I'm getting a little lost. So. <laughs> Let's stick to one game and then when we're done with it. We'll talk about another one. Josh, call them out. I'm ready. No, no, you you pick pick the one you were least interested with, and we'll go to the one you enjoyed the most. We'll just go in reverse order. The one yeah. that I least enjoyed. Yeah. The top, oh, I'm the gonna top br- six. I, I'm gonna break Trevor's heart. I feel bad, but 
I still enjoyed it, but the one I enjoyed the least out of this batch was insurmountable. Um, I was sucked in by the theme. I mean, it's basically turn-based mountain climbing, you know, um, but it felt almost too easy in a way, like, and um, it, it just kind of moved a little slower than I wanted it to, I feel like, you know, so it, it was still fun, and I was telling Trevor, like, I think I'll play, go again. I've There's three mountains, you know, that you have to climb as the part of the campaign or whatever, and I have I've conquered the first. Um, but then I, you know, moved on to try some others after that. But uh, that, that, it just felt a little slower than I expected, I think. And, like, you're managing, that, like, four different stats. I think that everyone at Josh's hotel set their alarm for 7 a.m. and are now uh, – everyone's checking their – using the internet <laughs> oh, at the same time. Bandwidth, like, dying? Oh, you're, that sucks. You're, you're now going a little bit VoIPy. But we'll, we'll continue the good fight. So let me okay. let me talk about insurmountable for a bit because I played a lot more than Josh did. Um, so there are three character classes that you can play. One of them's like an explorer. One of them is a journalist, and one of them is an is a scientist. And each of them have um, a different skill pool to choose from as you level up. The skill pool reminds me of any of, I mean, just like Hades or any other roguelike. You just have a, a pool that, and it gives you a, a random three choices anytime you level up and you pick one. Um, although the truth is, is if you are to complete all three mountains, you're going to see most of them every time. Like you're going, you're going to be able to. It's, it's that that is that's actually praise in that you're going to if you have a particular build you want to go for, you're probably going to get the opportunity to do so. Um, the, those are always going to come up at some point, and you level up enough that you can choose them. So towards Josh's comment that it's too easy, uh, I have not played higher than normal yet, but I agree with him. So I've only played on normal, but I've beaten the three mountains. I've only played the game twice, and I beat all three mountains both times the very first attempt on normal with both the explorer and the journalist. Um, so that says something to me because generally in, in modern roguelikes, there's some growth where you have to learn some of the mechanics or you have to, um, unlock a few things first. Those don't seem to exist. There is some unlocks, but I didn't need them to beat those mountains the first time through. I, when you, after you beat it on normal, um, it unlocks, um, a harder difficulty and I'm sure, that it gets to the point where it's very difficult. Um, but the normal setting is far too easy. Uh, the fact that I made it all the way through uh, on my first attempts with two different character classes um, says something to me. That said, it is enjoyable. It, it is probably fairly slow paced. And, and Josh has no clue. The first mountain is very quick compared to the, especially the last mountain. Like you'll get to... okay. Yeah, there's there's a point where you get above 6,000 meters, which is quote unquote the death zone. The death zone. Yeah, when you get to the death zone, you have you you have no one of the the four things you have to manage is oxygen, and and you don't manage it at all really below 6,000 meters. Your character creates enough oxygen um, just with its lungs <laughs> that you don't. Every once in a while, you'll have some issues where your oxygen go down, but honestly, it's not really a stress on your management of, of your things until you get past 6,000 meters. 
Well, when you get past 6,000 meters on the final mountain, uh, you look up and you're not even close. You're not even in the same <laughs> zip zip code. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about the game is that uh, your view uh, in the game is some is extremely limited, and there's no way to 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 get a bird's eye view. Really, um, I mean, there is. You can push the R button, and it backs way up, but it doesn't back far enough up that you can actually trace your whole path all the way up. The yeah, that's interesting. I I like your attitude about that because I was aggravated by that. But now that you say it, I'm like, okay, I can see that being a design choice. Yeah, it to was make it, it so that you might climb into some blind. Uh, corners and stuff yeah right? it was definitely a specific design choice they they want you to not know what is up ahead just like a mountain climber who is i mean the the the, the, the plot is, is that these are mountains that have never been climbed before or at least not by right. western eastern civilization for some reason they had never been on the maps before right um but there is an indigenous people who clearly live all over these mountains you run into them all the time but yes it's very much a design choice in fact one of the other um, characters has a skill that allows you to see farther up the mountain than the other classes and i actually love this design choice and it makes the final mountain which is um it's um like 9,000 meters, I think, to the top, or almost 10,000 meters. It's really tall. It's means almost the height of Everest, um, uh, or close to, or might be higher than Everest. I'd have to look it up. But anyway, there's there is situations on that final one where you'll you'll climb up even above the death zone, and then have to climb back down and then back up the other side multiple times in some situations to actually get to the top of this mountain. And that. Um, that design choice actually becomes far more interesting when you get to that final mountain. So anyway, it's not, uh, Josh has probably appropriately put it at the bottom. It is, maybe it's just a little bit too cute for its own good, but I really, <laughs> I did enjoy it quite a bit. It's in, I will play it probably some more and I'll basically try it on harder levels because I feel like by the time I finished the second run through on all three mountains, I had it down to a, science honestly okay I, I never i was never in danger of losing any of my um stats stats and i climbed the, the mountain with the the journalist no problem on the second attempt it was really not a challenge at all so i'm i'm excited to try it on hard to see is it actually going to be a problem you know am i have to get when am i gonna attempt to go up one side of the mountain and find out that i can't get up there have to go back down below the dead zone to get my oxygen back and then go back up the other side and one of the stats you have to manage is sanity which truthfully in the um, normal version sanity i was i never got close to being insane i it found just, a corpse once it was disturbing that was about the only thing that ever happened to my sanity I will say that there are some events that Josh probably never saw that yeah. he would that he would just um, just love. <laughs> At first, it feels like there are certain events that you run into where the the only consequence is on that screen. Yeah, and that is not at all the case. Oh, nice. Many okay. of them have lasting consequences, and I'm assuming that the consequences become even more critical in harder settings. But there's some that just they there's choices that you may or may not make that just come back to bite you much later that you don't even realize. <laughs> Amazing. So anyway, I will say that the, also the events feel 
like they needed to add it. I guess maybe I'm I'm uh, I, I I'm spoiled because of Hades. Yeah, right. Um, but it just feels like the the events are too limited. Like after a while, you're like, okay, I've seen this event before. While the outcomes are more random than that, they're not the same outcomes. You can't choose the same path each time and have the same right. outcome. But the text is the same every time. Mm. And there's a point where I'm just like, geez, I I appreciate you know what you've tried to accomplish here, but please add another thousand events to this so that I don't see these events repeatedly over and right. over and over right. again. <laughs> okay josh number five. Oh, we're working up the tree okay um uh, number five i'm going to actually give it right now to thea to the shattering but i'm just going to tell you that i think that's in strong contention to be number four between it and trials of fire they are i they are the two that i have played the least i mean i really literally pretty much just played the tutorial of them and they also feel very similar like you're leading this party across a shattered, you know, post-apocalyptic land, and and you know, the party members' equipment kind of dictates what they can do in combat and stuff like that. Um, Thea too has more of a um, 4x element in that, like you end up building a village, and that village can end up supplying you, um, you know, resources and materials that you need to get better equipment and to be able to do different, you know, magics and stuff. Uh, anyway, they're both, I, I actually am very interested in both of them. I'm excited to continue with them. Um, Thea 2's combat is, uh, a card, it's a card game, essentially. I, I need more time with it. I, I haven't really grokked it. Like, it's funny, like, the first monster that I fought was, like, a concept? <laughs> like, you're being attacked by a concept of, like, light or something like that and it, it's all based on these slavic myths i guess and some of them are like like trippy like whatever the you know um hallucinatory uh plant was in the slavic uh myth building days was heavy uh, <laughs> so really cool like really cool atmosphere fascinating world um i want to i want some more play time with it but for right now that you know that's what i say it, between it and trials of fire i'm sort of debating trials of fire um i i just played through a few combats its combat is a um i guess it would sort of be like a tactical you know minis game but it's card driven and it, the thing that's cool about it is that like whatever equipment your characters has uh, the equipment changes what card is in their decks kind of thing, you know? So like I took out my sword and put in a spear. And so now the spear gives me a, a lunging uh, attack instead of the swords, just swing attack, you know, things like that. Uh, it's interesting. The reason that it might lose to Thea two for me is I, I, I feel like the graphics are weird. Like uh, it, it does this really cool thing of like you you open a storybook and it, it's a, like it's like one of those old pop-up books it pops up and like that's the world that you're moving through and then when you go when you have a combat you know it zooms into a, a hex-based combat screen but everything I, I look at it and it feels like jaggy like uh, like they didn't finish the art or something and it, it may be a style choice I can't decide because I'm like I, I like literally had to switch games and be like, is my computer okay? Like, so, so that's my minor complaint with it. The combat has been interesting so far. Um, and, sorry, and what was the name of this one again? Trials of Fire. Okay. So. Which was, 
one that I had mentioned to you, well, actually I had asked in discord if anyone had played it because it was one that popped up frequently in like my recommends of, right. You should maybe be interested in this. Yeah. And, and I think it has roguelite elements. I haven't, yeah. I haven't played far enough that like my party has died and I've gotten to see, you know, what those roguelike elements will be like or whatever. Okay. But those are probably my yeah, f- uh, f- four and five ish of the batch. Okay. So number three, uh, number three, I am going to give to um, humankind probably. Um, I, it, it's it's like playing Civ Six. I mean, the, it's not that markedly different. The the civilization choice at each era is interesting. It does some cool things with um, the way you can the way you can advance to the next era is you basically have to achieve. They call them era stars. But they're like they're like goals, you know. Like in the first, the the first era, um, I, it's not the ancient era, but like the you know the caveman era or whatever is like, you know, discover three science uh, resources or whatever, and that's one of the era stars that. And once you've achieved two of the stars, you could advance to the next uh, era. You can wait, but if you wait, there's a chance that, you know, your opponents will grab a civilization that you might want, you know. And so mm-hmm. so that that's an interesting choice. Um, my only complaint really in the closed beta was I felt like the tutorial, uh, maybe I missed something or I, I didn't realize what it took to get a city going until I was like further into the ancient era than I wished I had been, you know, that kind of thing. So when when you say it plays like Civ Six, you just mean that it feels like it, but there's probably would you say there's still significant differences? Yeah, I would. As a matter of fact, like one of the other significant differences is combat. Like combat's interesting because you you'll be moving an army around, and an army can be composed of at least at the eras that I was playing in, of up to like four different units. You know, so I had like at one point in time I had an army that had three of my civilizations uh scout unit right and then when they go to combat it it kind of you can zoom in and like you have several combat rounds where you spread those different units out on these hexes and and you know go at it kind of thing you can also just auto complete the combat which you'll end up doing i think a lot especially when it's obvious that you know you you way overpower the thing that you're attacking or whatever right right Um, so the, yeah, so the combat's different. Um, you know, resources are different, uh, quite different. And like I said, the way the cities start to come together is quite different. Um, I, I, but then yeah, like the big shtick really is just the weaving together of different civilizations. So which I, I thought was pretty interesting, pretty cool. Did you ever play the? I think it was an Avalon Hill uh, board game that was titled. I think it was History of the World. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've. I, Funnily enough, I've played it quite a bit on the iPad. Oh, there's interesting. A decent, there's a decent um, port of it on the iPad, and so I've played it quite a bit there. It was it's it's a game that um like it's kind of historically accurate because like you'll you'll play like the Romans or whatever, right? And then right. you when they it goes to, out when it goes to the next phase of the game, like you don't get to play the Romans anymore. You you play a new civilization that's like completely different. Um, which I understand that the uh, humankind is is not really like that per se, but it 
it sounds like they do have some similarities with yeah i would say there are some similarities because like you you kind of hang on to some of the abilities from your past civilization and then mm-hmm. you know gain new ones and so part of the fun of the game that i can see you know after when you get into multiple playthroughs will be this like you know weaving together a, a solid strategy you know like oh I, I managed to pick several different you know merchant style civilizations and so now i am like the merchant king of all the world you know so i will say that as opposed to civ that is a pretty neat idea because in civ there is usually your races or your your civilizations um one power they all usually have a unique unit as well right. and a, lo- a lot of the civilizations their unique unit um is only powerful during a very limited scope of the game right right you know and that can be somewhat frustrating you know you're like well i'm going to be the japanese and i'm going to play samurai and they absolutely dominate the game during this you know <clears throat> thousand year gap or whatever but then late game you know no one's taking samurai up against you know the tanks yeah the tanks or the warships or you know the, the the planes it just doesn't work anymore right yeah so that is one thing that's interesting is like every time every era you're going to have a a new um civ specific unit and also like a civ specific um i'm gonna a district i think is what they call them which is like a a, a piece of the city of your city that you can you know add on kind of thing so number two uh okay so number two uh which i feel like heartbroken i don't just don't feel like jay was as enthusiastic as i wanted him to be about it uh but number two is for me is wildermyth like I was totally charmed by it. I'm totally sucked in. I'm like, I gotta play with my paper dolls some more. And I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just had to make a decision where this adventurer is retiring, and I'll miss him so much. You know, like I'm, t- I totally bought into it. Like they've they've done a good job with me, of just of just charming me, honestly. Like so, and you know, it has XCOM style combat. So I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one that um, I I would I'm most interested in trying. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it should be your next purchase, in my opinion. Like, I just thought it was it, it just hit lots of cool notes. One of my issues was that I and I guess I'm still kind of doing the introductory scenario, but right. um, like I did the scenario with the magic user. Okay. And his the way he was interacting with terrain with his magic from a distance ability thing infusing stuff yeah yeah um was a little bit unintuitive to me okay um but i just need to to put more time into it but it again it's i'm having the issue of well or i could could read Read. (laughs) so see that's tough because i found the writing in wildermyth to be well done you know like charming uh, fairly minimal you know but like uh, it engaged me enough but like yeah come on put that up against Catherine addison's next you know magnum opus and like it's got no chance (laughs) okay so number one josh okay so the one that surprised me came out of nowhere uh it was just a random extra purchase because of a rock paper scissors review is a game called slipways and I I have three and a half hours playtime. I have none of these other games that I have more than an hour playtime on so far. And basically, I want to be playing it right now. And I suck at it. 
<laughs> so the conceit in this is you start out in the sector of a galaxy and you just have these like you know signals that you can see and you the really the first thing you can do in the game is you send out probes and the probes will find planets right and then the whole deal is that you can choose to colonize a planet and you can choose to colonize it usually each planet can be colonized in in like one to three sometimes four different ways and however you colonize it it will dictate what that planet what good that planet wants and what good that planet uh will export right so like uh you might uh you might colonize a a earth-like world as a hive world and so it will produce two population but it will require food and uh microchips i think maybe water but and and so then the the whole slipways is you just you pull a line between two colonized planets and that will connect them with these slipways which are basically just like warp gates right and if you you know where if you connect a planet to its needs and and then it becomes more prosperous and like if you get a planet connected to like i think three exports and three imports then it becomes like super wealthy or whatever and and however well planets are doing dictates kind of the happiness of your empire also like the size of the empire matters and so you continue to grow and then get this trevor there's a tech tree <laughs> and so there's a tech tree that can affect stuff and like it's honestly it's like super well done i just the graphics are neat like you you don't ever really have to i mean you kind of do cuz sometimes there's text that you unlock that you want to go zoom to the planet and and initiate a project on it that will kind of change some of its parameters but like you zoom in on the planets and like they the warp gates are just so cute looking and you you hear the little ships going like boom boom you know warping away to or warping in to bring exports and imports and stuff and uh, and so it, it ends up being kind of this puzzle slash 4x game you know because it's like you're trying to make the right connections and like you can't, you know, slipways can't cross. So once you've made one slipway, you might get in your own way later. And like, um, there, there's just multiple different, there's multiple different, I guess, sieves that you also can play and you get certain perks and abilities depending on if you play them. And they, they will give you tasks that as you accomplish them, it, that's kind of the roguelite element. It'll unlock uh, different abilities and techs for future playthroughs, right? And so it's funny. So I, I think I have four runs that I've played now. I've been thrown out of office twice, so I'm terrible at the, I'm terrible at keeping my people happy. And I just am like, well, now I got to play again. Like it's that kind of game, you know, where I'm just like, well, I, I got to have another run at this thing. And I'm laughing every time I go to start a game because like one of the options there's a campaign, and then there's like a daily challenge or like com you know compete for best score and it's like you can't even get those you, you can't unlock those unless you achieve three stars on a standard run yeah i have never gotten above one star yet in a run mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, so clearly i've not quite seen the matrix but man it anyway so it just like completely caught me off guard i'm totally sucked in by the dumb thing and like also it's really and maybe this is why I don't do very good. I mean, I did I did watch like four episodes of Better Call Saul while I was playing Slipways. Uh. <laughs> so, so Trevor, you, you have one. Yeah, and I I thought Josh had played it. I thought it was I thought it was one of these six. Clearly, it was not. I know I played one last night. I should I just I'm giving it honorable mention right now because I don't feel like I played it enough to give solid judgment. I'll let you talk more about it, but I did okay. play it and I died faster than I should have, frankly, but whatever. Okay. 
Um, so the game is called uh, Rogue Book, which it's a it's a roguelike um, that's it's a card game designed by Richard Garfield, who is the designer of Magic the Gathering and many other things. Um, and it's pretty that's... explicitly advertised as uh, like Richard Garfield makes a video game that is inspired by Slay the Spire, which is a hundred percent what it is. Yes, yes, it very much is. Um, like, do you I, like Slay the Spire? You're gonna like Rogue Book. Correct. So it, right now it's on Steam. It's got a lot of negative reviews because um, the day it released it had a uh, DLC, um, and part of the DLC feels like it's something that. Anyway, it, it irritated a lot of people the way they handled it. And so there's a ton of negative reviews because of the way they handled the DLC. And I can appreciate it. Um, but the DLC, honestly, is pretty cheap. I just, I bought the whole, I bought the uh, bundle. That the included, deluxe bundle thing? Yeah, that included it. Um, it wasn't really that much more. I think the deluxe version. It's like was 25 about, versus 29.20. Yeah. So I $4.20 mean, difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, for the internet, that is worthy of rage, though. <laughs> well, I can kind of see where they're coming from because I feel like they see it as a omen of things to come. And I can, oh sure, okay. I can appreciate that that view Feeling. of of the game that it is a yeah. a little bit of a view of ways of, of what's going to come. But so in Rogue Book, you are um, your characters are trapped inside a book, and um, you filled use with a, evil yeah you you use a brush to paint the pages of the book open and to explore the book um and you have two characters which your party can change as you unlock more characters um josh uh playing the first game would have only seen two of the characters right. um but you it, it is very much slay the spire inspired each character has a separate pool of cards uh, there's block and attack and a bunch of keywords um, one of the things that's different than slay the spire is rather than upgrading individual cards there are gems that can be slotted in the cards i'm assuming you didn't get that far josh i got one gem yeah okay i, I probably didn't use it very effectively but yeah I, I did slot it onto one of my lunges or something like that yeah, so there's treasures that go on each of the characters, much like Slay the Spire, but there are also slotted cards where you can upgrade cards in a plethora of different ways and combinations. And that's probably the, the most interesting thing other than that. Um, I would say that the mechanic for exploring the world and painting the pages um, lets you pick your path a little bit more um, interestingly and distinctly than the path you get to choose in Slay the Spire, where it feels like your choices as Jay mentioned when we talked about Slay the Spire, not necessarily as important. Like in Slay the Spire, you're kind of railroaded through a few different options, and you you have a little bit of decision path, but the truth is, is at the end of the day, um, you're going to see similar encounters regardless of which direction you go. <clears throat> in Rogue Book, that's not necessarily the case because it's a hex-based map on this double-paged open book, and you paint the direction you wish to go. And you can you are not gonna you're not gonna be able to at least I've not even come close you're not gonna be able to unlock the entire page as you um, work your way towards the final encounter at the top of the page um, but you get a lot of choice going into it and maybe it's the illusion of choice but it still feels like it's more impactful um, 
but you build your deck by spending gold. I mean, it is very much Slay the Spire inspired. Um, some of the reviews that I read basically felt like it was um, a little too hard or too random, but I think those people didn't play enough of the game. Uh, I feel like, much like Slay the Spire, there are some encounters early on where you get caught off guard by a mechanic. Or you oh, good. Have... I'm going to say that's what happened to me then. It's not that I'm incompetent. <laughs> uh, but anyway, there's a, there's a skill tree that you unlock where you basically, as you level up, um, you choose different potential skills. And the, the skills are... Um, you have three options each time you unlock a skill. Character 1's option, Character 2's option, or char- or 3, a combo option that's available only when you take those two characters. And I believe there's only four characters that you unlock. I'm sure they'll add another one through DLC at some point or something. But depending, So the combinations are somewhat limited. Um, as Okay, I've only got four potential and I can take two. Well, if I take these two, the combos are unique to those sets. So there's some exploration there as well. It's it's different. I think if somebody had played a lot of Slay the Spire, but you know, were somewhat tired of it and wanted to try something slightly new, this carries so many similarities to it. Like combat is is very similar to Slay the Spire. You have three energy cards, cost energy, play cards. The opponents have a symbol over their head that says what they're going to do. Um, I mean, it's it feels. I hate to say, it, but it's almost like rip offy. Yeah, like yeah, it's like let's do slay the spire, but with two characters in the party instead of one. Right, and let's let's. I mean, there are some things that are that are interesting, but that said, the game is fun. It's really fun. Um, I've enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it clearly breathes fresh life into the model. So you know, the fact that I'm not picking up slay the spire doesn't mean I'm not going to pick up rogue book. In fact, right, I'll, prob- right. I'll probably end up playing a bunch of Rogue Book today, um, you know, just because I played a bunch of it last night. But I've only seen a small section of the options available. There's a there's like a talent tree that's completely different that, than Slay the Spire. It's, it's basically as you earn what it calls pages. It's a ta- it's just a tech tree talent tree thing where you spend the pages to open up new options, and that's the part that you'll have to spend in order to get deeper into Rogue Book. Um, that's because, the most roguelite element of it, really, right? Is the pages, wouldn't you say? Uh, no, I mean, it's got multiple. Uh, the pages Oh, are, yeah, because I guess the character... Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the, you're right. The, the, the pages are more of a tech tree. They're, they're permanent between each round. And you can choose which path to go down those, but there's not... The pages you receive are not random. One of the mechanics is that when you beat a, a thing, you gain uh, either a vial or a paintbrush, and you can use that ink to paint onto the page, which allows you to open up more of the map. Um, and one of the other mechanics is you can always return to uh, the shop. There's one shop on the map, at least so far that I've unlocked. That was the the raccoon dude, right? Um, yeah, sure, raccoon, I guess. I think that's, that's what he was. Sifu from uh, yes, Kung Fu Panda. From Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he get, he offers you six cards and six gems, and those cards and gems, at least I from what I've seen, do not change throughout the entire uh, level. The the page. Oh, you're okay. On. I never okay. went back. I should have done that. Okay. You can easily you can always go back to him. There's no there's hexes, but there's no movement 
I mean, you can you can freely walk around the map and choose your encounters. Right. There's there's not a, like a there's not like a turn where you're like, okay, well, I can move so many hexes this turn. You can just walk wherever you want onto the map, and you can always walk back to Sifu and buy more cards. Um, sorry, I don't know what his real name is. <laughs> um, anyway, but well, you, it's you, Sifu now. Yeah, it's Sifu now. Anyway, you you go back and add those cards, but truly, those cards are more expensive than the cards you can randomly draft on the map. So unless there's specific cards that he has that you really want to build your deck, um, you don't necessarily, you're generally going to go back to him for gems, not for cards, at least in my experience. So anyway, fantastic game. I think that uh, it's well worth some effort. I can see that if it continues the path of here's some more DLC and please give us more money and it repeated, if, if it's not timed right, it'll be the destruction of it if it's timed right and it's it's more of a hey here's this month's features and it's cheap here you know spend two bucks and get this month's new you know playable character or whatever um i think that that might be a good thing you know that might introduce you to it might feel like like magic the gathering you know new packs each month i mean if if slay the spire i could you know be paying extra money to be getting dlc in that game i would be pretty excited yeah i i agree i think that slay the spires issue is that it feels a little it's bit kind stag- of stagnated stag- at this point right yeah, yeah like yeah I certainly i'll be interested to go back and there's daily challenges and other challenges that, that it presents but at the end of the day the the diet the card pool i've seen all the cards and you know it just gets yeah i, I don't know how much interest it'll hold for me uh, the plus side of Slide Spires, it's on iPad and uh, Roguebook is not. <laughs> not yet. I wouldn't be shocked if it was at some point. It's not on the Switch yet, but it will be. It's not on Xbox or PS5 yet, but it will be. Right now, it's just, I think it's just Steam. All right. Well, I guess we can wrap it up there. And uh, I guess we would be interested in anyone listening for you guys to give your feedback on uh, the games that Josh has recommended from his misadventures. Yeah. If you get good <laughs> at slip ways, send me a note on discord. <laughs> like Josh, here's how to get good. 